Reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. The call of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you may be, will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonours you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place Shechem, to the oak of Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I to the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still going toward the Negev. Thanks, Aletta. Uh, just remembered the prayer and communication books down the aisle. So if you're in the aisle, if you just want to pick them up and throw them down the aisle, um, I'll pass them down. Uh, so they're um, for prayer, prayer requests. We pray for them during the week, but also just for communication. If you want to visit or if you want to find out more about the church or anything these books are there they're scattered around this is for people who've been part of this church for a long time and for new people these are ways uh, that we can just continue to improve communication so they're there for you if you see them around after church you can do that as well and at the end of the service we'll have opportunity um, for prayer as well so keep that in mind if you want prayer uh, just a reminder, if you're wondering where all our young adults are this weekend, they're down in Phillip Island, um, they're spending the weekend down there. So uh, just pray for them as they wrap up uh, today and head back on uh, home this afternoon as well. Okay, so um, I'm still sort of in this framework and, uh, of um, heading into the year of 2017 sort of back into school um, and work mode and some of us have been there longer than others but there's still this sense that we're heading uh, into the year. Uh, and as uh, I shared last week, uh, some of the, the, the movements for us uh, as uh, Coral and myself and pastors here and um, heading into this year and, and beyond, uh, sort of in, a, in, a, in uncertain times I think for Certainly for us and for us as a church, I think as we talk, as I talk with leadership, uh, the idea of pastors transitioning out uh, and the leadership team uh, wanting to walk with the church through what that means for us, uh, how that looks, 
what are the details of it? There was sort of stuff talked about last week, but what are the details? We don't know all that yet. Um, and, um, you know, there's uh, a few families leaving the church as well that were sort of um, not going to be with us uh, this year. And uh, I've noticed as I've been talking around over the last few weeks, uh, as I've been trying to uh, sort out um, life groups and, and some of the life groups are not uh, as they were last year and some of them are disbanding and reforming and uh, things like that. Um, and people sort of, uh, it's a, a little bit of a sense of people dropping their heads and saying, oh, what's going to happen? This is a bit tough bit sort of uncertain what this year is going to look like sort of right now already let alone sort of the end of the year talking you know uh, sort of church planting stuff what's that all about and who's going and what's that mean and and I think it's it's quite easy uh, and I think when we go through change for us to actually develop a bit of a drop your head lose hope <laughs> negativity around all of that and I think that's what happens when you go into uncertain times isn't it it's sort of challenging how do we deal with this what do, how do we interact with this because we don't know what it's going to look like and so we were talking a bit about this as leadership and then uh, we felt convicted as leadership that as we go through this time that we actually develop a bit of a preaching theme that's actually going to walk with us through that and actually in God hopefully engage with us as we go through this time of, of transition uh, and change. And uh, as I was preparing, uh, oh no, and we as leadership were talking about that and, and wrestling with that and a few of us uh, in the office were working through that, looking at different options and uh, we've, we've landed on this. We've landed on this and it's... Uh, we're calling it faithful to the promise. And we're, for the next couple of months, we're going to preach through sort of the back end of Genesis, Genesis 12 to 50. And we're going to look at how um, through that time, uh, there's a really faithful God that interacted with his people in lots of uncertainty uh, and lots of um, situations that came their way. As I was uh, preparing, uh, in a couple of weeks we're doing a partnership Sunday. We've got some new families that are coming on board as well and new people that are going to uh, become partners here as well. And as I was going through that with people, I was just reminded again going through our church vision statement, uh, this idea to be, a com uh, to be a community continually growing closer to God in and impacting others by sharing Jesus Christ and extending his kingdom. And as we were sort of working that out and talking about that and how that sort of um, manifested itself in those sort of three statements that we have around growing disciples, uh, caring for people, uh, reaching the world, and, uh, and, and further than that, uh, in, in the last year or so, we were sort of going through rediscovering a bit of the purpose and we've come up with that, that phrase of moving people in following Christ, uh, rediscovering. And I was thinking, yeah, this... This has been something that God has been doing in us as his people for the last 25 years. And that doesn't stop. And that doesn't change depending on who's here and who's not or what actually comes our way. 
And as I was um, interacting with some of the new people, there was actually a, a actually as I thought about that and, and it stirred in that, that there was actually a new sort of hope and purpose that, um, uh, or, or, and a renewed sense of um, enthusiasm as I was interacting with some of those emotions that I was talking about before. I, I feel them as well. And I was thinking, yeah, over the last 25 years, sort of pastors have come and gone in this church. Families have come and gone. They're continually coming in and out. There's been lots of ups and downs, highs and lows of budgets and ministry statements. And our numbers over the years have gone up and down. Ministries have come and gone. Staff have gone in and out. And yet, we continue to see God at work. And he continues to be faithful to us despite even us. Because along that way, um, I know it as a leader in this church, I'm a sinful person, I'm a broken person, that we've made wrong decisions. We've been selfish in the way that we've done things. There's been, I've displayed unloving behaviour to you people. I've experienced unloving behaviour to me. There have been curveballs that have come our way. There's things that we didn't expect, didn't like. Brokenness, failings. And yet God continues to be faithful to his vision through this church. He continues to work his power. You just testified to it this morning a little bit in your own lives, that there's a faithful God that's still actively at work amongst us, doing all sorts of stuff <laughs> amongst us. And so as we head into this year, um, as I said, leadership want us to, what, what's something that can speak to us as we go through this? And we can reflect on some of our story, but also look forward as well. And I think... As we, as we wrestled with this, and as we looked for, oh, what are we going to preach on? And where are some really good biblical examples of God's people going through change? We basically discovered that God's people are really not good at it. There's not too many examples of where, where the God's people go through change, and God calls them in different directions, and he has different things come their way, and they fully embraced it the way God wanted. Most times they end up in the place um, despite some of their responses. And I think, I think that's pretty true of human nature. We don't like change. We like to know things the way we uh, have had them or seen them. And yet, all the stories through the Bible is that even though people and uh, us as God's kids don't like the change and often don't handle it well, there is a faithful God that continues to work his promises and be faithful to his promises through his people, through his chosen ones. He, cho he chooses those who are weak and broken and messed up and mixed up to continue his work of displaying himself to the world. To continue to do his work of gathering his people to live with them from now into eternity. And so through um, prayer and discussion, uh, as leadership, we landed on this 
faithful to the promise. And we're going to preach through uh, Genesis 12 to 50. And we're going to look at the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we're going to put Joseph in there as well. And we're going to look at the ups and downs of their journey. And we're going to explore a little bit what can we learn for our journey. Um, what can we learn about this awesome God and the way he interacts with his people as he calls them into the unknown? And pretty well every year is the unknown. Every year. We've got a few extra things this year, but every year as we go in, we don't know what it's gonna, what's going to happen this year. We don't know what the end of this year is going to look like for us individually or God's, God's church here. And so uh, as we respond to his call to be uh, his people, to trust in him as we walk with him. Uh, hopefully we can learn some stuff from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. So this morning we're going to uh, look at the uh, first few chapters, sort of 12 to 14. We're going to look at Abraham, uh, sort of Abram. Um, so this is his call. If you've got your Bibles, you can sort of flick through those chapters. I'll sort of be referring to them a little bit as we go through. Um, so chapters 12 to 14, and it begins uh, there where Abram uh, gets a call to go to an unknown land. And then he's given that promise, uh, that promise that uh, a letter read out for us, and the promise was, I'm going to take you to an unknown land and I'm going to make a great nation, <laughs> a great people. They're going to be my people and they're going to be a great nation and I'm going to bless them I'm going to make your name great, and then you will be a blessing to others. And I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. Um, and the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And it's this continued theme that sort of runs right through the Bible into the New Testament and for us as well. That as God gathers his people, builds his people, the, the people, God's people, then are a blessing to the earth. And God is revealed to the earth and the earth gets to experience God through his people. And so the promise here given to Abram is that he's going to be made into a great nation and that he's going to be given a land to live in. So I'm going to take you to a land and there's going to be a great nation that's formed uh, in that land. And that, from that place, they're going to impact the world. And so what we'll find as we go through uh, these uh, chapters is that these sorts of themes we see repeated through the Bible and that, that they get different sort of slants on them as we go through. Because as we get into the New Testament, the people of God are also given a promised land <laughs> and are given a promise of a great multitude that's going to be gathered together uh, in a city. You know, the promise of the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and this idea of, being, of God gathering his people to that place uh, still continues. So we're going to see some of that sort of as we go along as well. And so I ask ourselves as we sit here today, what, so that, that was the promise that was given to Abraham. What's the promise God's given to us? What's the promise that he's being faithful to for us? And I think there's, there's a couple of things here. I think his promise is to the New Testament church, that's us. So after, and he says, what did he, remember what Jesus said? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. That's his promise to us. Jesus promised that he's going to come back again once all his people have been gathered. And those people are going to be gathered through you. 
And he's promised that you're not going to be able to, you're not having to do that in your own strength and wisdom. He said, I'm going to give you a power and a strength and a might that is the same power that raised me from the dead, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, that's going to allow you to do it. That's what I'm promising you. I'm going to build this church and I'm going to give you the power to do it. And that, is, that church is going to impact the world. It's going to go to the ends of the earth and it's going to bring my kingdom to bear right throughout the earth. And he promised, what did he promise again? That surely I'll be with you always. And he promised uh, heaven and you know, the new heaven, the new earth. In the end, it will be God with his people in perfection again. And as, we, as I mentioned earlier, what's he promised for one hope? Well, I think he's promised to be faithful to the vision statement that he's given us about being the people of God that continue to understand him and grow in him and know him and continue to understand who Jesus is and be part of his plan of displaying himself to the world, that he has given us a promise that he is going to see disciples grown through this church, he's going to see people cared for, uh, he's going to see the, the world reached through this little group of people here in Scoresby. That we, he's promised that he's going to move people in following Christ through people like you and me. Mixed up, messed up, people who drop our heads, who wonder what's going on, don't even know what's going on, don't know how to make decisions in all of that. And he said, no, you, you're going to be the ones that I'm going to continue to display myself to the world. You're going to be the ones that I'm going to choose to transform the world, transform the people that in your families or in your workplaces or in your schools or wherever they are. So we think about uh, that context for us as we look at Abraham's, Abram's con context. Uh, he's called to the land that uh, I will show you. That's what he's told. That's the, uh, the, the verse that we're given there is uh, he's called to a land that I will show you. Um, and the question I have is what did that look like? Because then if you, if you read sort of, if you followed with a letter and if you've got it there looking through those sort of first uh, few verses, uh, he, he gets this blessing and then he goes and then it just says, and he was there. I think, How did that happen? And, and I think this is what we do and this is what I do and I think we all do this to it, that we over-spiritualize the Bible and I think sometimes we just give it a sort of a generalization and I think sometimes it's good to stop and think about how did that actually happen? How did Abraham, Abram get from there from, uh, to, to Canaan? Because he was just told that he's got to go and he's not even told where he's going to go. He says, I'll show you. And my question is, where did God show him? Where did God show him? And I, I was just trying to think, how did he do that? What, what? I don't think he knew that Canaan was the place to go. And I, I wonder whether he sort of, okay, I'm going to go and that he got up with you know, the, the people, he, Lot and his family and stuff like that, and they had a bit of a family meeting, and they said, where are we going to go today? And I think actually they were working it out together. <laughs> oh, well, let's go that way. We're sort of asking, seeing God. We, we haven't yet actually been told yet where it is. Because I think actually what you see at the end of this passage, that's when God reveals, oh, this is the land. So he's back in Canaan, and, and, and when he gets to Canaan, and he's there, and then the Lord appeals to him, and he says, oh, this is the land. And then he builds an altar and 
But up until then, I don't think he knew where it was. And just as we don't know what's going to happen to us in this year, next year, and the year, but he calls us to respond in faith. And that faith looks like working it out together. As God interacts with us and we um, try and discern his spirit, his will, and his leading uh, and make decisions together. And here's the thing, and uh, no, I'll leave it, we'll go there later. Uh, okay. Because, uh, that's right, he gets to the land and he wanders through it. If you notice, he's in a tent, he's just wandering through it. And that's when, uh, and I think, and there's a bit of a, a theme that goes through the Bible, there's another one of those themes, that God's people are wanderers through the earth. They're wanderers and people live in tents and they're never quite sure where to put their roots down and, and there's sort of always movement and God's calling them to new things and different things and they've got to move and they've got to change that and go there. And there's this theme of, uh, guys, this is not your home. There's a home coming later on. At the moment, uh, don't, don't sink your roots down here. This is just temporary in some ways. It'll be, be the new earth. And new. But we're still got, we've got to go where he calls us. And he leads us. We've got to respond to him in that. I think that's a helpful thing for us to think about as we go through this year and, and into our futures. And so the Lord appears to Abraham, uh, to his offspring. And again, it's this. Um, so if we think about again, I just thought, what, is it, what did that look like? How did the Lord appear to Abram? Sometimes the Bible sort of gives clear pictures. It was actually a figure that appeared there. Other times it was dreams. Maybe it was a prophecy, uh, something like that. Uh, but anyway, he was certainly clear that's uh, the way uh, that, that, that that was it, and that he was told that this is the land um, and your offspring are, are, are going to be here. And then I wa want us to look at what was his response. What was his response? And his response, and it happens a couple of times through these chapters, and if you've got your Bibles, and I want to encourage you to read through these chapters uh, during the week as well, his response is that he builds an altar. What's the, what's the whole altar thing about? He builds an altar. It says, he built an altar and he called upon the name of the... The altar is uh, representative of um, his connection with God. It's an actually a worship response. So he builds this altar, and what do you put on our altars? You, you put sacrifices on there. And, and that's a response of, and, and that process was an act of, that's who you are, God, and now I understand who I am because of you, and that I'm right with you. And you're, uh, it, it was a reminder of his relationship with the living God, and that he is his child, and he's been called, and that this was his response of, yes, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to live the way you want me to live. I'm going to take my people the way you want me to do. And he calls upon the Lord and he says, keep showing me that. Keep helping me in that. Uh, keep guiding me in that. And it happens a number of times through these ch chapters where he builds this altar and he calls on the name of the Lord. And for us, as we go into this year again, and as every year, 
again, are we just getting that, that, you know, and think of the picture of the altar and the sacrifice and stuff when we go into the New Testament and we get before the cross again and we're reminded of who God is and now who we are as his people. Uh, we are a living temple empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do this. And this, this year again, we say, yes, God, that's who you are and help us to be faithful who, to, who you want us to be. Give us the strength, the gifts, the wisdom to be able to follow you uh, into this, this year. So where are you seeking? Where are you calling? Uh, and we do that together as well as uh, individuals. So he does that and then it's interesting where the story goes straight after that. What happens? So he's doing this, got the altar, he said, this is the land. What happens? If you've got your chapters there, it's in the next part of the chapter. A famine hits. And so he's in this place, and he's probably to the point where he can't actually feed his family anymore. And a famine hits. And what's his response? He says, I've got to go and find some food. So he goes down to Egypt. He says, and so here's the question. His decision to pack up and take his family to Egypt, was that a right decision or a wrong decision? Was that the right decision or the wrong decision for him to pack up and go to, to Egypt? I don't know. <laughs> Bible doesn't tell us. And we're going to make decisions this year that we don't know whether they're right or wrong. We only actually only find out in hindsight. And sometimes they're right and God reveals that to us. And other times they're wrong and God reveals that to us. And yet God's at work in both. It's because he gets down to Egypt, and this is, this is a bit of another theme that follows through um, these chapters, through the Old Testament. Um, when God's people go to Egypt, generally it's not a good thing. Because when God's people go to Egypt, it's almost the sense of they're actually thinking that Egypt's going to solve their problem. It happens a lot of times. No, Egypt's not going to solve your problems. I'm going to solve your problem. I'm going to be the one that gets you through. I'm your provider. And so he gets down to, um, to Egypt, um, and what does he do then? He makes another decision. I don't know if you remember what happens. He's about to go in, <laughs> and he says, I've got a really good-looking wife. I don't want anyone to steal her, so I'll just tell her. I'll tell everyone. Um, oh, sorry, no, I don't want them to kill me because of her. So what does he do? He says, oh, she's my sister. <laughs> so I'll go. And so what does he do? So is that a right decision, wrong decision? I think it's pretty clear, isn't it? There are going to be decisions that are clearly wrong for us. The th things that go outside of God's word and outside of his truth. You know, I don't want to make a decision. He said, no, I still, you know what it means to obey me, and that's truth and honesty. Um, and trust that when, I make, when you make those decisions in truth and honesty, that I'll, I'll, I'll work it out. And yet what happens? He makes the wrong decision. There's the consequences of that. And then what happens because of that? I don't know if you know, read it this week. You know what happens? He gets sent back to Canaan. He gets kicked out of Egypt. So here, <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, so he makes wrong decisions. He makes sinful decisions. And God uses them to put him back on the path again. And he gets back to Canaan. And what does he do back in Canaan? He builds another altar. He seeks God and he starts getting back on. And so this is the pattern that we're going to see right through these chapters. Is that God's people are trying to work out how to follow God 
follow his ways, do his calling, and they make decisions that sometimes they don't know whether they're right or wrong, sometimes they're very wrong, sometimes they're very right, and yet God is using all of them to be faithful to his promise. And what was his promise? For Abraham was that he's going to build a people, he's going to build a nation, and he gets him back there, and what does he reveal to him? He says, uh, if you read through the chapters, he says, your, your people are going to be as numerous as the dust on the you know, later on we're going to get numerous as the stars in the sky, but it's, you're, you're, your people are going to be as numerous as you can think of. <laughs> and this is the other one that, that comes, out, comes out, particularly through Egypt again. Uh, through all those wrong decisions and stuff like that, uh, Abraham heads back to Canaan, <laughs> more blessed than when he came in terms of wealth. So the Egyptians actually pay him to leave. And he goes back and he's actually probably got food and wealth to get through the famine. And again, God works in mysterious and wonderful ways. Uh, Into chapter 13, if you get through there, what starts to happen is conflict. So conflict between Lot um, and Abraham and his people and they start sort of fighting with each other. Uh, So there's internal conflict and then there's external conflict as well there are kings and stuff that are trying to uh, interact with all of that as well Uh, in the midst of that conflict god continues to remind abram of this promise to that he's going to build his people and in that place um, he you you find things and they're little verses and little lines things like um, abram got his 413 people no i can't remember the number 300 and something people who had been trained for battle and stuff like that and go so somewhere along the line, he'd started training people to engage in the battle that he had to do to protect his people. And already there's 300 of them, so there's already a bit of a group sort of happening and stuff like that. Oh, I'm well over time. <laughs> Wrap it up, Glenn. Okay. So just it, God's uh, interacting in all this. Sometimes it's big supernatural sort of stuff. Other times it's just in the everyday stuff as we're trying to work out and be faithful to him. Let's keep our altar building stuff happening as well. God saves, and if you read, you've got to read through chapter 14 and stuff like that because there's all these sort of interactions that God's doing. He comes into these, this guy Melchizedek, who's a, a high priest. I don't know where he comes from, all the commentators, that we don't really know about it. But later on, we find out he's sort of connected into Jesus' line and stuff like that. And we're going to come across people where they're just going to blow us out of who and what, and God reveals himself through them to us. And it just, it's a curveball out of, but yet, right along, Abraham, he commits to, I'm going to build this nation. And get to chapter 15, and we're going to pick that up next week, because there's a bit of a problem. What's the problem? He doesn't have any kids. So how's this nation thing going to happen if there are no kids? Bit of a problem. Do you think God's got it covered? <laughs> We're going to come across things where we think we don't know what to do, how to get through this. <laughs> but God's got it covered. I think I said this to someone this week, the hardest thing about being a Christian is not knowing what God is up to. It's one of the toughest journey. And what does God call us to do? I think he calls us to build an altar Remember who he is. Remember who we are because of him. 
and get on to trusting and obey him. It's the end of Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes. It goes through all. He tried everything to try and work out what the meaning of life is. He gets to the end. What does he say at the end? He says, in the end, you just got to fear God and do what he says. You've got to believe there is a God who's over in and over and through all, and he's at work through us in our mess and all of that, and get on with obeying him. Some of those obedience things are really clear. Other times we've got to work through it together. And then we remember what it says in Hebrews 8. By faith, Abraham went, though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land. He felt like a stranger and he lived in tents. And by faith, Isaac and Jacob also were heirs to that promise. And as he went, he was looking forward to a heavenly city. Because this is the, the question for, for, for a number of us as we were wrestling through this. Is how does that become practical in, you know, I'll, I'll give you Simon and Christine because I can see them. So how does that become crack, practical when your budget's not meeting and you're having a baby and you don't know if you're going to have enough money to get through the year? How, do, how, does, how, how does that become practical? Because sometimes he makes the budget meet and other times he might not. It becomes practical when we as a family and we as a church family remind ourselves of this truth. Simon Christian, you will get through. God will get through. He'll provide for you. I'm not quite sure how yet. Maybe it's going to mean some of us actually getting around you and making that happen. Or maybe I'm going to provide you a cap money course and that will help you. <laughs> I'll get you through. And so what it does, that in the midst of this stuff that I don't know how it's going to work, I don't know what it's going to look like, I can trust that there's a God who's faithful to his promise. He's going to get us through. It might be painful and it might hurt, or there might be a supernatural interaction that changes it completely. And he's doing that so that Simon and Christine can sit in church on Sunday morning and say, you know what? I've got a God who is faithful to us in unbelievable ways. He hears and cries and provides for us. hears our cries and provides for us in amazing ways. So that's where it becomes practical. In, in, this, in the unknown stuff, we've got to trust and believe that there is a God who is over and above that. And it's often, you know, we talk about that, isn't it? We, we don't see it until later. It's the hindsight stuff that we see. But in the midst of it, God is calling us to build an altar, to trust him and to set our eyes on him and move forward with him. And so as we go into this year again, as a church, know that God's going to continue growing disciples. Know that God's going to continue caring for people. Know that God's going to continue reaching the world. I was just looking at <laughs> all this stuff. As we go into this, we go into this unknown stuff. I think, guys, you know, we're, we're in a part in our history of as, as a church that we are having more contacts with non-Christian community people than we ever have in our history. We have regular contact with m m m many more. And it's like there's a great, that the harvest is ripe for you. I'm bringing it to you. Don't think that he's not in control and he's not working stuff. I just got back from Uganda and I, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God's at work. And he's, he's, there, are, there are more disciples that are being grown in, in that, that village than we've ever seen in the history of our church. 
I look at what Luke's doing. I look what's happening in the village and I see these young people. I see an impact that's happening on the w- in the world because his church here in Australia, here at One Hope, are interacting with him and being obedient to him in that. And we're wondering about what's going to happen this year. <laughs> we're wondering about... And, and we don't know and that's okay. <laughs> I don't believe he's at work. He's over and above anything that's going to happen to us this year. I met with our pastoral care team this year, I think uh, just last week, and this group of people was Megan and Lynette and uh, Andrew Schramm and myself, and, and we're just talking about how we're going to care for people in ways. But, and these guys are coming up with all these ideas, and oh, I followed up this person, I followed up that, and I heard that that was happening in the life group and stuff like that. I was thinking, God's providing care for his people <laughs> he's putting people who are passionate about this and and talking about how we're going to do life groups better and what do we why don't we do that and so don't lose hope don't sin either <laughs> and trust that we've got a god who is faithful to his promise and is doing amazing and powerful things for us as his church So our response is to be faithful to an ever-faithful God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you continue to build your church. We are so thankful that the gates of hell can't stand against it. We thank you that you have empowered us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have access to abundant supernatural power (laughs) to live this out, to be your people. And in that reality, we we cry out to you as your kids this morning, God. (laughs) We cry out that you would increase our faith, that you would increase our trust, you'd increase our hope and joy and peace, that no matter what comes our way this year, that your glory would be displayed. We ask that you would help us to obey, help us to know what it is to work this out day in, day out. Help us to know how to do that collectively and individually. We pray that you would be displayed through, your glory would be displayed through your church as we respond in faith to you, our ever-faithful Father. Amen.